Well, if you have your uh, Bible, open it to Matthew 5. I don't know about you, but we were having church this morning. So, <laughs> so notice I said church. So it was good. Thank you, praise team. Matthew 5, we're going to look at verses uh, 38 through 42 today. Matthew 5, verses 38 through 42. Don't get mad. Get even. That's how you feel when someone wrongs you. When someone sells you out, takes advantage of you, betrays you, treats you dirty. Don't get mad. Get even. Each of us here has this this natural uh, desire within our heart. We look for ways to return the wrong done to us. Many times, we return it. And sometimes we do it with pleasure, with a smile on our face. When your spouse doesn't appreciate you, don't you want to get even? When your brother and sister hurts your feelings, don't you want to get even? When you get passed over for a promotion on your job, don't you want to get even? When someone stabs you in the back, oh yes, you definitely want to get even. And so we, we put on our get even hat and then we open up you know, our Spotify account or our Pandora and we, we type in James Brown's name and we type in the song to payback. And that song feeds our desire for revenge. The lyrics become gospel. You begin to say to yourself, so-and-so better get ready. That's a fact. Better get ready for the big payback because it's coming. Because you're going to get even. And listen, none of us are bulletproof here. We all practice don't get mad but get even in our relationships in some form or fashion. And Jesus is going to show us that such a practice is a sign of brokenness. It's a sign of our own brokenness. Here is God's word. And as I always say, Get mad with Jesus, not me. Beginning in verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone will sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who will borrow from you. This is God's holy word. Let us pray. Lord, as we come to your truth, we pray that your spirit will come and give us wisdom. If he doesn't show up, Father, the word is not going to penetrate our soul. We need him to come. We need him to come to break through pride. We need him to come and break through unbelief, through stubbornness. We need him to come to humble us, to make us teachable. Regardless of who we are or our age, Lord, the word of God is important to our life. From the youngest of us to the oldest of us, Lord, we need your word to be spoken into our life. I need it, Father. So Holy Spirit, come and bless us with your presence today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We've seen Jesus uh, use God's moral law and that is his Ten Commandments, to actually chip away at our false sense of righteousness. He's been showing us why the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees isn't enough. 
it's not enough. It still falls short of what God actually requires. And today, he's going to continue to chip away at this false sense of righteousness. And he does it this time by God's law of retribution. You see the principle, don't get mad, get even, is really a a present-day misinterpretation, misunderstanding, and even a misapplication of that law. So Jesus begins his session just like he's, he's done the previous sessions. Sections. You have heard that it was said. You have heard that it was said. Remember, Jesus is not correcting the Old Testament. As he says in verse 17, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come to fulfill them. And so this phrase, you have heard that it was said, introduces the misunderstanding that he's getting ready to correct by the religious leaders of the day. In this passage, it's the law of retribution. If you know the Old Testament, there are three passages, three passages of Scripture that deals with this law. One is in Exodus 21, verses 23 and 25. The other one is Leviticus 24, 19 through 20. And the third one is Deuteronomy 19, verse 21. All three of these verses deal with God's law of retribution. And the law of retribution is expressed in this principle, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now on the surface... This law seems to to endorse. Don't get mad, get even. Because if they wrong you, then you wrong them right back, right? They take advantage of you, you take advantage of them. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But here's the thing. Knowing the context of Scripture is a beautiful and a wonderful thing. It is. You must see this principle within its larger context of Scripture. You see, the Old Testament context for the law of retribution and its principle is always a court of law. A court of law. Think about that. It was given to the judges of Israel to help them govern God's people. Deuteronomy 16, verses 18 through 20 says, You should appoint judges and officers in all your towns that the Lord your God has given you, according to your tribes. And they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You should not pervert justice. You should not show partiality. You should not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of righteous. Justice and only justice shall you follow, that you may live and inherit the land the Lord your God is giving you. So the law of retribution was given to help the people of Israel create a just society. That's a society where people are actually punished for their crimes. It's a legal law to be used in a legal system in a legal way. The principle says, one Christian theologian says, teaches that the punishment must be proportional to the crime and suited for it. Basically, the punishment must fit the crime. That's what the law, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth means. The punishment must fit the crime. Now, on the other hand, this law was given so that people would not take the law into their own hands. They will use the legal system that was in place to get the justice they wanted, not through personal revenge. The law was also given so that people would not create a personal revenge attitude, to seek vengeance on their own. That was God's intent of this law of retribution when he gave it to them to help Israel have a just society. But when you fast forward many centuries 
through Jesus' day, we see that first century Israel is a shadow of Old Testament Israel in her glory days. A shadow. So Israel is now under Roman rule and authority, right? Subject to the Roman law, even to the Roman legal system. So, but I don't know about you, but this would create a dilemma for a first century Jew who still had held true to God's word. If I'm now under Roman law and Roman legal system, how do I make sense of this law of retribution now? What am I about to do with it? Because Israel, the Old Testament, is no longer around. That's where the misunderstanding comes in. That's where we find the misinterpretation, this misapplication of this law. It's been taken out of its original context. And Jesus sees it as clear as day. The principle of eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth is now being applied to personal relationships. To personal relationships. That's what the scribes and the Pharisees were doing. The same thing that we do with don't get mad, get even. That's what they were doing with an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. They had taken it out of the court of law and now used it to justify them getting even with other people who hurt them. God said, I for I two for two, so it's okay that I get you back. Is that in context or out of context? You see, we all feel justified when we get even with those who wrong us. We do. You want revenge for hurts. You want vengeance for betrayals. You want payback for those who take advantage of you and your family. Trust me, if these things happen to you, you're going to want that. We can be holy rollers if we want to. But if someone truly betrays you, you're going to want payback. And hey, I understand. I'm right there with you. All of us have thought about taking the law into our own hands because we don't trust the legal system. It's not a perfect system. We know it's broken. And if we're honest, with, if you're honest with yourself, really honest with yourself, then you admit on some level you love to see vigilante justice. You love to see it. That's why we love movies like Batman. That's why we like shows like Arrow. That's why we like shows like Revenge. All of us in this room have spoken these words. That's what you get. Have you said that to somebody? That's what you get. And you get pleasure in saying it. Why? Because you like to see people get what they deserve. But what about you? Did God give you what you deserve? Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so who do you want to pay back? We all got somebody. Who do you want to get even with? A co-worker? The person you share a house with? The person you're going to eat meal with on Thanksgiving next week? Or Christmas in December? Who? Is the person sitting next to you? There are people in our life that we all want to pay back. We can just be honest about that. There are people that are going to cross your path. There are people who are going to do things to you, and you're going to want to get them back. But before you do, one, Christian, one Chinese philosopher says this, before you embark on a journey of revenge, dig two graves. Before you embark on a journey of revenge, dig two graves. One for yourself and one for the other person. Why? 
living with a revengeful spirit has consequences. You may get even, but you will do damage to your own soul in the process. Believe that. You may get the payback, but there will be consequences for it, for yourself. So how far are you willing to go when people cross you? How far are you willing to go when someone betrays your trust? How far are you willing to take it? Before you embark on this journey, please know you need to go ahead and dig two graves. Know that. Please understand the law of retribution was never meant to be applied by individuals in their personal relationships and conflicts with other people. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth was supposed to be used in a court of law for the law to punish people for their crimes. Not so you can get even. Not for you to justify your need for revenge. If you approach scripture with a copy and paste mindset, you will be on a slippery slope to nowhere. You've got to see scripture within its context. Because you can take a verse like that and justify anything that you do. You can get a verse of scripture to justify just about anything you do. Don't use scripture to justify your actions. Let scripture guide your actions. Let it guide what you do. Let it guide how you deal with conflict. Let it guide how you deal with people who cross to you. And that's what Jesus does. So he corrects that misunderstanding. And he gives you another principle to live by. And he says, but I say. But I say. That's a lot in that little phrase right there. Not what you have heard, not what so-and-so said, not what the pastor on TV said, but here's what I say. Do not resist the one who is evil. Do not resist the one who is evil. Well, Jesus, what do you mean by that? Because you're getting ready to tell me something I really don't want to hear. And he has a habit of doing that. He tells you a lot of things you don't want to hear. This term resist means do not set yourself against the one who is evil. Do not oppose the one who is evil. Now, is Jesus calling you to turn a blind eye to injustice and crime, like murder, rape, or child abuse, violence, racism, discrimination? That's what he's calling you to do? No. He's not telling you to be a doormat. He's not telling you to keep quiet and don't be a snitch. He is correcting your desire for personal revenge. That's what he's correcting. That's what he's speaking into. That's what, that's what he wants to challenge us on. Don't apply an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth in your relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with your co-workers. Sinclair Ferguson said, this means do not make your rights the basis of your relationship with other people. Do not make your rights the basis of your relationship with other people. What he means by that, when someone is stepping on your rights, or oh, you get mad. I have a right to do that. But Jesus said, don't do that. Don't do that. Instead, take a position of self-sacrifice. A position of self-sacrifice in both the attitude of your heart and your actions. And that's hard to do. That's hard to do. In both my actions, in both my attitude, I shouldn't want revenge. I shouldn't seek revenge. I don't, I don't feel very righteous right now. Because I know in my own heart, when people cross me, the first thing I think about is, how I can get even with that person. 
What about you? Jesus doesn't want us to repay evil with evil. But that's our natural bent. Paul says in Romans 12, Repay no one with no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap a burning coals on his head. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. You see, good here doesn't mean you don't seek for justice legally. It doesn't mean that. If someone commits a crime with you, you should go through the proper channels to get justice. It means you don't take the law into your own hands. Jesus never condones personal vengeance, revenge, and retaliation. You cannot go to a part of scripture to show me that he will condone that in your life. But he will condone you going through the proper channels to get the justice you need. Repay evil with good. But again, this is hard to do. Almost impossible. And that's the point. You should be feeling like I cannot live up to that type of standard. There's no way I can have a live a life where my heart does not ever want to get revenge. Where I never ever retaliate. And that's the point. None of us can live up to it. Remember what Jesus is doing here. He is showing you you can't do it. We're, we're mutually broken people in this room. Look around you. Go ahead, look around. Look at the people around you. Each of you have a natural bent for revenge against those who wrong you. The person sitting next to you loves you, but that person wrongs you, you're going to want to get revenge. If you don't know that about yourself, you really don't know yourself. There's unity here now. But in our body, but when you start wrong, when we start, if we start wronging one another, that unity can blow up real quick. So you got to know that about yourself. Not just with crimes committed against us, but we want revenge for minor stuff. If someone steps on my Jordans, I want revenge. Don't step on my shoes. If someone dents my car, I want revenge. If someone insults me, I want revenge. If someone pushes me by mistake, I want revenge. If someone cuts in line, I want revenge. The bowling line, you want revenge. Why? Because it's in all of us. In the last uh, fight scene between uh, Batman and Joker in the Dark Knight, the Joker says to Batman, I took uh, Gotham's white knight and brought him down to our level. It wasn't hard, you see. Madness, as you know, is like gravity. All it takes is a a little push. Revenge. Is in your heart. And all it takes is a person pushing that right button. And it's going to come out. What's your button? Is it your family? Your reputation? Your spouse? Your kids? Your beauty? What is it? What's your button? Because if I push that button, you may love me a day, but you're looking to get even with me tomorrow if I push that button. What's your button? Do you know it? You better know it. The enemy knows it. And he'll bring people in your life to push it. Do you know yourself? The gospel has a unique set of skills. 
skills that it has acquired in, from the beginning, skills that it continues to use today, skills that it used to level the playing field for all of us, regardless of our race, regardless of our culture, regardless of our creed. The gospel presents all of us as mutually broken people. Do you see that about yourself? And, and the gospel is it, an equal opportunity here. It doesn't discriminate. It tells the best of us. You're broken. I don't care how good you look or how much money you got. You're broken. Get in line. That's what it does. It's offensive. It's, offen- it's offensive. The gospel offends you. It offends your goodness. It offends your righteousness. Because it says you're broken. It doesn't, sh- it doesn't sugarcoat things for us. It tells you the truth about who you really are. And sometimes the truth cuts like a knife. The past few weeks, Jesus has been bringing us face to face with our own brokenness. Not to beat you up, not to shame you, not to chain you up into guilt, but so you will stop trying to heal your own self. Your brokenness cannot be healed apart from Christ. You can hide it. But you won't ever heal it. Kids, what happened to Humpty Dumpty when he fell off the wall? Come on, kids. You don't know the nursery around Humpty Dumpty fell out, sat on the wall? What happened to him? He had a great fall. Now, and all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty back together again. In the Garden of Eden, Humpty fell off the wall. And we fell with him. And all your good works and all your performance ain't going to ever put you back together again, people. Ever. The gospel and a mother goose nursery rhyme. Right there. Only Jesus can put you back together again. So that means if you don't have faith in Jesus today, and you're living your life trying to fix yourself, trying to self-heal, trying to heal all your brokenness, trying to deal with your own anger issues, trying to deal with your need for revenge, you ain't ever going to deal with it until you come to him. But will you come? Will you come? Will you come to Jesus for the first time and say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I surrender my life to you. This means if you also have been a believer for years, and you finally want freedom from this issue of revenge, trying to get even with people, then you've got to come to him and own it and say, Lord, forgive me for my sin. Will you give me freedom from it? Do you want freedom? Oh, you want freedom. He will give you freedom. He can set you free, but do you believe it? It's time for some of you to let it go. I don't know what that is you need to let go of, but you know. You need to let it go. The vengeance, the desire for revenge, the desire to get even. You need to turn that James Brown song off and open up the gospel. Be honest with Jesus and tell him, Lord, I want to pay this person back. Tell him that. Tell him, I want the person to hurt like I hurt. I want this person to feel betrayed like I felt betrayed. Are you that transparent with Jesus? I hope you are. Because I am. I want the person to feel what I feel, Lord. 
But Lord, help me. Help me. He says, cast your burdens upon Him. Why? Because He cares for you. You've got to believe that Jesus is a healer. Do you believe that? He can take the most broken thing, the most broken person, and bind that person back up again. He can. There ain't a pit you can fall in that God's grace can't reach you. There ain't a hole you can fall in that he won't pull you out of. Will you let him pull you out? Will you let him heal you? And he can, and he will. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that you are a healer. You don't just heal us at the moment of conversion. You don't just heal us the moment we come to faith. But Lord, that healing continues throughout our lifetime. We ain't perfect people. I mean, we got so many issues, Lord, we can't even count them. We spend all our time hiding them. But let us confess them. Let us stop pretending. Let us be real with ourselves. And we're with you. The church is a church. A church is a place for broken people, not for cookie-cutter people who think they got it all together. If, they, if people think that, then this is the wrong church for them. Church is messy. People have issues, but we have the same God, and His name is Jesus. He loves people with issues. So if He didn't, He wouldn't save any of us. Thank you for loving people with issues, Jesus. Thank you that you never cast us away. Thank you that in you, Lord, we are eternally secure. And thank you, Lord, that you will be the one who brings us on to glory. As your word says, there is nothing in all creation that can separate us from your love, not even our sin, for you already paid it all on the cross. And I pray for all this in your son's name. Amen. Will you please stand as we close our service?